Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin. Sallallahu aleyhi ve sellem ala seyyidina Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve sellem. Sorry. Add that. Okay, there we go. And, uh, inshallah we're resuming our, our sessions on the art of hospitality. We had reached to uh, this section on regarding the manners for presenting food regarding the manners for presenting food and we had covered the first one which was avoid affectation avoid affectation so he had said regarding the manners for presenting food the first rule of good conduct is that one refrains from any affectation and presents what is available if he has nothing available and he possesses nothing, he should not seek a loan for that purpose, for this would cause him difficulties. Uh, and then we talked about that a little bit. So that was rule number one. Rule number two is where we left off, which is... <coughs> uh, the second rule of good conduct is that the visitor should neither suggest nor demand anything in particular, for this may be troublesome for the person visited to produce. So the idea is that the person eats what they are given uh, by the host and they don't ask for anything in particular. If the host gives them what they like, then alhamdulillah they gave them what they liked and if they don't, then they deal with it the best way that they can. Uh, there's kind of a funny story here of Salman al-Farisi the great companion of the Prophet وسلم, where um, the following happened. So it says uh, that Someone went to visit Salman And he says I went with a friend of mine to visit Salman And he presented us with barley bread And coarsely ground salt So again you present what you have What he has is barley bread And coarsely ground salt So he gives them barley bread and coarsely ground salt <coughs> My friend said If there were some wild thyme In this salt it would be tastier Salman went out and pawned his ablution bowl, like the vessel that he would use to make ablution. He went and he pawned it and brought some wild thyme. When we had eaten, my friend said, Praise be to God, who has made us content with, with what we have been provided. And Salman said, Had you been content with what you had been provided, my ablution bowl would not be in pawn. <laughs> you know, if you were actually content, you wouldn't have asked for something more, right? So this etiquette here is that the person doesn't ask for anything other than they take what they've been given. Um, however, as he does with a lot of these points, there's a nuance here, and this is again, you know, it's a, there's matters of taste. There's often a general rule, but then. Um, between people who are very close with each other, the, the rule doesn't always apply, right? Or the rule has exceptions. So he says, for example, if someone suspects that adding something would be difficult for his brother, or that he would dislike it, then they should not do so. But if they know that they would be happy with it, then they could do so. And there's a story here of Imam Shafi'i, the, the, one of the four Imams, Imam Shafi'i, who did this with a Zafarani while staying with him in Baghdad. And it says that every day a Zafarani would write on a slip of paper the food that should be cooked that day, and he would give it to the servant. And one day Shafi'i took the slip of paper and he added other types of food in his own handwriting. 
And when Zafarani saw the food, he contested. He said, I didn't order this. Where did this come from? And the servant showed him the piece of paper, and on the piece of paper was the writing in Ashafi's handwriting, right? Added to what else was there. And when he saw that, he was very happy, and he was rejoiced, and you know, so on and so forth. So that is number two, they eat what is given. Uh, unless, again, it would make the person happy. If you know that, if you know that the person you're going to um, would be happy if you asked, if you told them what it is that you want, or what you feel like, or whatever else it might be, then you tell them that. It doesn't have to become like over-complicated and over-annoying in that way. The third rule is that uh, the, of good conduct is that the person visited must feel a longing for his brother who is visiting him. And, uh, and they should ask what the person wants as long as they feel like they'll be able to fulfill it. As long as they feel like they'll be able to fulfill it, then they should ask what they want. So they long for the visitor. And uh, they try to take care of them the best way that they can. That's number three. Number four, for uh, the rules of presenting food. Number four, for the rules of presenting food. Is the fourth rule of good conduct is that the host must not say to the guest, Shall I serve you food? He ought simply to serve him as if he has, uh, serve him if he has any food. Sufyan al-Thawri said, If your brother visits you, do not say to him, Do you want to eat? Or shall I serve you food? But serve it to him if he eats well and good, and if not, remove it. So uh, you don't have to ask, like, do you want to eat something? Put something there. Again, it doesn't have to be... I mean, look what Sanman put forward. Sanman put forward some bread, some salt. That's what he had, right? So it doesn't mean that you have to put forward, like... We don't know if the person wants to eat or not. We put forward, like, a seven-course meal. Put forward some food, and if they want to eat it, they'll eat it. Uh, one of the people of spirituality, one of the people of Tasawwuf said, If poor people enter upon you, serve them food. If theologians enter, ask them about some theological problem. And if reciters of the Qur'an enter, show them to the mihrab. So it's interesting. What, what, what's important here is that the host is considering the guest host is considering the guest they know for example if someone who's poor comes then what I should do is I should feed them give them something to eat right and if someone comes who's a theologian theologians are known they're mutakallim right mutakallim they like to talk about these issues they, they this is what their their life is they they're breathing and they everything that they are they're always talking about these things you know these issues of theology and so on so if they come and visit you, then talk to them about an issue of theology. It's going to make them happy, right? Someone who's into activism comes and visits you. Talk to them about community work. If someone who's into art comes and visits you, talk to them about art, right? If someone who comes, to, he says, if someone comes to visit you who's a reciter of the Quran, then show them to the mihrab, show them to the place of prayer. And let them pray and like enjoy themselves. They'll do their recitation and everything else, right? Uh, so what's important here is that the the host is paying attention to the guest. The host is paying attention to the guest. All right, which brings us to the end of that chapter and the beginning of the main chapter of the text. Uh, in the last, you know, there's there's an epilogue kind of chapter, which we'll take a few things from, but this piece here is the main section on the manners of hospitality. Manners of hospitality. And he begins this by saying, They are six in number, 
the invitation, accepting an invitation, attending, serving of food, eating, and taking leave. Let us, God willing, now turn to their explanation. So number one is the invitation itself. The invitation itself. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ taught us that we should be hospitable towards people. We should be hospitable towards people. So much so that uh, you know we should really go out of our way to take care of them. There's a story here of uh, a man came to visit the Prophet and um, he sent out basically to a person who was a trader in Medina who happened to be Jewish. So there's a Jewish trader in Medina. The Prophet them tells them, "Go and say to so and so, I have a guest. Give me some, uh, give me some goods so I can take care of my guest." So this Jewish trader said, "I'm not going to give him anything until I get a pledge or like I get something to to hold in his uh, collateral, essentially, right?" So the Prophet them. Uh, gave his coat of mail, gave his like shield, his coat of mail, and uh, made that collateral with his Jewish person so that he could then uh, serve his guest. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The Prophet Ibrahim salam, he said whenever he wanted to eat, he would walk a distance to find anyone who can eat with him. You know, he would take maybe it takes him 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. He's walking, walking, walking. But he has to walk until he can find someone who will eat with him. Alayhi salam, Prophet Ibrahim. That's why they called him Abu Dayfan. Abu Dayfan. Abu Dayfan means the father of the guests. Meaning he was someone who had many guests. He would take care of his guests. Alayhi salam. Interestingly, and Ghazali says, and Ghazali says, so this is 6th century. And Ghazali is 6th century Hijri. You know, 800 years ago. Uh, 800 plus years ago he says <clears throat> because of the sincerity of his intention in this his hospitality remains attached to his burial place up to today not a night passes without a group of three or ten or up to a hundred people eating there the servant who looked after the place said that to this day it has not been without a guest for a single night this is the burial place of an khalil alayhi salam prophet ibrahim alayhi salam uh, similarly i think that i mentioned this one week in the they say this about uh, Sayyidi Ali and Hujwiri, Ganj Bakhsh. Sayyidi Ali Hujwiri, who's buried buried in Lahore. One of the people that I know who is from Lahore, he told me this. He's like, every time you go there, people are getting fed. For a thousand years, people have been getting fed there. Some days, thousands of people are fed, right? Because he was so generous in his lifetime, so concerned about generosity in his lifetime, that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala made it that even after. Uh, even after he passed away, people are still getting fed at the place where he's buried. Uh, and this was true also about Sayyidina Ibrahim a.s. Uh, Sayyidina Anas radiallahu anhu, he said, A house which is not entered by a guest is not entered by angels. A house that is not entered by a guest is not entered by angels. And there's many uh, things about this as well. But the point is that a person should... Um, this is talking about the importance of inviting people as guests, you know. So it's encouraged to have people as guests to, to, to take care of them, to treat them well. Um, it's important. It's important also that when we have big invitations and things, that we don't neglect the poor. In America, this is, you know, Subhanallah. It's in, um, 
the laws around housing and development have major consequences right so um, for example like when we lived in Cairo it's very easy to find people who are in need no matter where you are really you'll always be able to find people who are in need and when you have an invitation you don't necessarily only invite the people who are wealthy you should intentionally also invite people who are not wealthy um, there's a hadith attributed to the Prophet them that says the worst food is the food of a banquet to which the rich have been invited in place of the poor so it's a huge gathering for food and the only people who are invited are people who have money that's uh, not, not, not a good thing <coughs> He also says uh, in Ghazali in his hospitality this is I'm to read this whole paragraph this whole paragraph is great in his hospitality a person must not neglect his relatives for their neglect creates loneliness and the severing of kinships he should be careful when inviting friends and acquaintances for to single out individuals creates loneliness in the hearts of the rest he should not use his invitation for vainglory or vaunting but for winning over the hearts of the brethren and for following the sunnah of God's emissary to give food and bring joy to the hearts of believers. He should not invite anyone he knows will find it difficult to accept and who, should he attend, will cause offense to those present for any reason. He should only invite those who are happy to accept the invitation. So you don't invite people who it's going to like, you're creating difficulty on them by inviting them <coughs> or who will upset other people who are invited and so on. Uh, so this is all in regards to the invitation itself. Second part of the manners of hospitality uh, is the accepting accepting the invitation. Accepting the invitation. Okay, and he mentions five things in regards to accepting the invitation. Number one is that the rich should not be given preference over the poor in accepting an invitation for that is arrogance which is prohibited so the point is what it's not that you can't eat with rich people or that you should only eat with poor people or anything of that sort what it's saying is that say a person has invitations they have invitations from people who are wealthy they have invitations from people who are more poor and they only accept invitations from the wealthy people. And from the poor people, they don't accept their invitations. This would be very bad. This would be against the etiquettes of uh, accepting an invitation. The Prophet them used to accept the invitation of everyone. Even the poorest of people he would accept. He says if, if a slave invited him to eat something very simple, he would accept the invitation them and spend time with this person. This is part of the da'wah work of the Prophet ﷺ. We have to understand this. Of course, there's an etiquette. There's a ruling on accepting the invitation. And the Prophet ﷺ is applying the ruling of accepting the invitation. Um, but this is also part of his overall da'wah work. Calling people to Allah, spending time with them, building these relationships, bringing the people closer to uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, bringing the closer, people closer to himself ﷺ, which is, uh, of course, part of iman. And uh, when we accept an invitation, especially the invitations of righteous people, then we hope that those invitations will be full of blessings and that their food will be full of blessings and there will be great good in accepting that invitation. Sariya Saqati 
Sariya Saqati was one of the righteous early people, very well known. And he said, Oh, for a morsel of food free from wrongdoing in the eyes of God and from the favor of any creature. So, you know, sometimes you're invited to someone's home or you're invited to a meal from someone and that person is a righteous person. So they've acquired their wealth in a way that's good and they're spending their wealth in a way that's good. And so that food now is free from any blame in that way. And when they offer this food to people, they offer it to them without any sort of holding it over them or any sort of um, men, right? And note that it's free from favor of any creature. Like they're not looking at it like I'm inviting them to... There's no politics to the invitation. It's just pure goodwill. So he said, oh, for a morsel of food that's like that. You know, a piece of food that you eat like that is what a blessing that is. What a great blessing that is. So these are something that's very important. So that's the first rule of good conduct in accepting an invitation. So we don't specify the rich over the poor. Second rule of good conduct in accepting an invitation is to not let distance be a barrier uh, if it's a distance that can normally be traveled then uh, you know then we shouldn't let that be a barrier this is why it is said in the Torah he says this is why it's said in the Torah or one of the sacred books walk a mile to visit a sick person two miles to take part in a funeral three miles to accept an invitation and four miles to visit a brother in God so all of these things are saying like it's worth it like, it's worth it like, you know you know the merit of going to uh, visiting a sick person and you know the merit of going to a funeral both of these things are very meritorious in the sunnah of the Prophet but to accept an invitation even three miles and to visit someone for the sake of Allah four miles you know walk these distances in order to um fulfill these rights and obligations. You can think about how, how long does it take to walk these things. 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. So sometimes it takes an hour, sometimes it takes 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour to get somewhere. But uh, to keep the, keep the hearts together is worth it. The third rule of good conduct in accepting an invitation is that the person should not abstain because they are fasting. Okay, they should not abstain because they are fasting. Someone invites them to food and they're fasting. They shouldn't say, oh no, I'm fasting. I'm not going to come to the food, so on and so forth. There's a hadith where the Prophet them. someone is invited um, and they refused to go or they didn't accept the invitation because they were fasting. And the Prophet them said to this person, your brother has put himself out and you say, I am fasting. Your brother has put himself out and you say, I am fasting. So don't let that then be an excuse. Uh, a person can break their fast and they can make up their fast afterwards. And even better is if they invite you for dinner and you get to break their you get to break your fast on their food. That's even better. We know that the person who feeds the fasting person, they get the reward of the fasting person. Right, so this is why always in Ramadan you see people are like really adamant to um, uh, pay for iftar dinners and stuff in Ramadan is because they want to get the reward of the fasting people. Right, 
So that's number three. Number four rule of conduct is that one abstain from accepting an invitation if they know that the food is of dubious origin. Excuse me. Or that something objectionable will be taking place at this gathering. So maybe they know that at this particular gathering there's going to be shady things going on. Then they should not accept it. The etiquette then is that they do not accept the invitation. And, um, you know, see them whenever they see them after that. So the fourth rule of accepting invitations is to decline them when it's appropriate to decline them. Sometimes it's appropriate to decline them. Um, for example, it'll come later, but like maybe someone who's take a really extreme example. I don't know, like someone who's they've all of their wealth comes from oppression. You know, maybe they're like uh, a, cr a criminal and whatever. So you don't want to eat their food, or maybe you're gonna go somewhere, but you know that like. Uh, you know, so-and-so invited you to join them for dinner, but they, you know, they invited you to the restaurant that has, uh, like belly dancing or something, you know, some of these restaurants in Irvine, there are a couple, um, you have to know like, okay, you don't go to that, din you don't go to that place at this time, you go at a different time. Um, so first and so on, maybe other things, whatever else it might be. Maybe you just know that these people who invited you the entirety of the conversation is just going to be backbiting and slander and everything else. You deny the invitation. So I don't need to sit around that. Okay, so these are, you decline if needed. Fifth rule of good conduct is that in accepting the invitation, they do not intend only to fulfill the appetite of their stomach, but that they make other intentions as well. So that they're not only, I'm not only going so I can eat, right? Like, Oh, you know, so-and-so invited me and they make the best food, so I'm going to accept their invitation. No, the reason for going isn't only so that a person can have really nice food. We make the intention that we're going to go for any number of other reasons, that we want to build the relationships, we want to make the person happy, we want to eat from the food of righteous people, we want to smile at them, we want to ask about them, we want to see how they're doing, we want to honor them, so on and so forth. All these other intentions are also part of why we, it's not just to eat the food but to do all of these other things that are meritorious in the sunnah of the Prophet One of the Salaf used to say, I prefer to have an intention for every action, even for food, drink, and the like. And we of course know that the Prophet said that actions are by intentions. So we make all these multiple intentions when we accept the invitation. Alright, number three. Attending an invitation. Attending an invitation. Um, the two paragraphs that are following, it's very difficult to summarize them, and there's a lot of pieces of good information in them, so I'm just going to read these two paragraphs. I hope that you can bear with me. Attending an invitation. Now, the rules of good conduct with respect to attending require that a person enter the house, but not go to the center to take the best place. He must be humble, he must not make the host wait a long time before arriving, nor be in such a hurry as to surprise them before they have completed their preparations. So they don't come in and take the best spot. They don't come super late. And they don't come early either because that might inconvenience the people as well. 
He should not make the place too cramped for those present. If the owner indicates a place to him, he should certainly not oppose him in that. Meaning if the if the host says you should sit here, they should sit there. Um, for the host may have set aside in his mind a place for each person and contradicting him may upset him. If in deference to him, another guest indicates to him that he should proceed to a higher place, he should be modest and decline. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, Being satisfied with an inferior place in the gathering is a way of showing modesty to God. We also covered in the Shema'il this idea that the Prophet وسلم, said, When we come to a gathering, you sit where you find an opening. Sit where you find an opening. <clears throat> he should not sit facing the door of the room reserved for the women folk. For this room is intended to keep them secluded, for example. Maybe there's a part of the house where people are staying that is not meant for you to be looking at. You shouldn't sit such that you're looking at that part of the house. Sit somewhere else. Um, he should also not sit such that the person is looking towards the place where the food comes from. And when they sit down, should greet those who are around them and ask about their health and so on. If a guest who will be spending the night enters, the householder should, on his entering, acquaint him with the qibla, the water closet, the water closet, uh, where they can make wudu and stuff. And this is what Malik did with the Shafi'i. Malik was from the teachers of a Shafi'i. Imam Malik was from the teachers of Imam Shafi'i, the two from the four Imams. Uh, he, when he came and he stayed with him, he showed him where he can make wudu. He showed him the qibla. Malik also washed his hands before the meal and before anyone else did, saying, "Washing before the meal is more appropriate for the head of the house, for it is he that invites people to his hospitality. So, because they're going to be the one who's inviting people and they're going to be the one who's probably distributing the food, then they wash their hands first, actually. But at the end." Um, therefore it is fitting that he should be the first to wash at the beginning and the last to wash at the end so that he may wait for whoever enters to eat and to eat with him so this is it from the etiquettes nice little points for attending an invitation points number four and five are kind of lumped together which were about the presentation of food and eating so both of these are lumped together and there's five of them uh, the first of them is that the food should be served quickly, for this honors the guest. When the majority of the guests have arrived, but one or two are absent, being late for the appointed time, those who are present have a greater risk to be served, greater right to be served um, quickly than those who are late for the meal to be delayed. Then they have for the right for it to be delayed. So basically, the people, most people are there. Maybe a couple people haven't arrived yet, but most people are there. Then the host should serve the food, because now you have a you have a conflict between the right of those who are late to have the food when they come, but also the right of those who have come on time to not just be sitting there and waiting, right? So once the majority of people have arrived, then the host should go ahead and serve the food. Um, There was something here. Ah, right. Unless. Look at the exception. The exception is not actually what we would usually think of. Sometimes we delay it because, like, a person of prominence is super late. So everyone else has to wait while this person is coming. Right? He says, unless the person who is late 
is poor or will be greatly distressed by it, in which case there's no harm in delaying. So like maybe that person is poor, so you want to make sure that they get some food. You don't want them to end up missing the food. Or you don't want them to feel like they've been left out. And because they're kind of in a category of people who sometimes get overlooked, you know, then you don't want to, then you could wait for them. Then you could wait for them. Uh, it's almost the opposite of what we do sometimes. So that's the first rule is that the food should be served quickly. Number two rule is that it regards the order of the food. Regards the order of the food. So he says that the first thing that should be put out is fruit. Because fruit is easy to digest. And then when it sits in the stomach, it makes the rest of the digestion easier as well. So fruit comes out, number one. Then after that comes like the meat in the main course. Then after that comes kind of like sweeter things. And then at the end, the drink. So this is the order that he says that it should go in. And he says that this is the best for person's health I've heard similar things I think from like Eastern um, Eastern medicine and stuff Allahu alam. but you know you can check this with whatever the modern thing is on health but the point is that you bring out something light you bring out something heavier and then you bring out the dessert and then afterwards you bring out the drink afterwards you bring out the drink <coughs> So this is the second rule. Third rule of uh, putting the food out is that one should serve the choicest dishes first so that whoever wishes may have his full share of them and not eat too much afterwards. Should have his full share of them and not eat too much afterwards. So um, basically you put out the good dishes first so that so that people who want prefer those can eat those and and spend their appetite so to speak on those things rather than getting full off full off other things and then the main dish comes and they're like oh i wish i still had space for that you know so we put out the first thing the best things first number four etiquette is that they should not rush to remove the food <coughs> they should not rush to remove the food so they put out the food let people eat don't rush them um and, and don't like remove it before you know that people have already gotten their fill they've gotten everything that they want they're satisfied they've been able to eat uh, we don't rush to remove it okay number five etiquette of good conduct uh, and presenting the food is that a sufficient quantity of food should be served meaning you don't put too little out and you don't put too much out don't put too little out and you don't put too much out. Uh, the exception to this would be what we mentioned in one of the previous sessions where it says, however, if he serves food in abundance and rejoices when people eat it all, his intention being to seek a blessing from the food that remains, then according to the tradition, he is not held to account for it. So basically, they put out a lot of food. On that premise that we mentioned before, that there's a blessing in the food that's left over when guests come. So it's not that they're trying to put out too much food for people to eat and be overly extravagant. It's that they want to put out a lot of food so that they can have, they can eat from the leftovers of what their guests ate. 
in which case that would be fine. But generally speaking, the etiquette here is to not serve too much and to not serve too little. <clears throat> uh, interestingly, they also talk about the idea of leftovers. Um, so it says that like, it says that the guest shouldn't take the leftovers unless that they know the host is happy about that. But interestingly, what he mentions is that the reason for this is because it seems that hosts would traditionally put out the food and part of what they're intending is that when they put out the food and their guests eat from the food and then there's food that's left over after that, they're going to take that food to the poor and feed the food to them and that becomes a means for their forgiveness. All right. So this is part of the whole philosophy behind the invitation. Is that you invite the person, you put the food out, knowing that they're not going to finish all the food. And then when they don't finish the food, you take it and you give it to people who are in need. And that's almost like the zakat, right? Like on the zakat, you have all your money, and then you pay a little bit of your money to the poor who are in need, and that's a purification for your money, right? So they would put out the food, and then they would give the extra food to those who are in need, and that would be like a purification for the food that they had put out. Um, however, it says that if the if if it's clear that the host is perfectly happy with them taking the extra food, then they take the extra food is no problem. So don't like stop taking people's leftovers when they're trying to when they're trying to give them to you. It's not always that culturally it's the same. But look, subhanallah, these beautiful kind of like subtleties of the the ways that people would do things. You know, it's very beautiful subtlety. So that's number um, that's this was all in the number five I believe it was yeah number five for presenting the food the last one in the section and this is what we'll finish with today because we want to do leave one session for next Sunday and then the Sunday after that inshallah if things go well depending on what's going on with the world um, we'll be having Dr. Hisham Hellier visiting Southern California um, but I don't know the way things are looking right now I mean that was the plan Allahu alam. we'll see what comes but either way we want to do this finish this next week and then after that hopefully we'll have our guest if not after that we'll start our new topic which is probably going to be about children around the Prophet وسلم, and how the Prophet them engage with children but let's do number six which is taking leave taking leave there's three rules of good conduct when it comes to taking leave number one is that the host should accompany the guest to the door the host should accompany the guest to the door the Prophet them, he did this uh, there was an incident where a delegation from the Nejis the Najashi Negus, I don't know how you say that in English, but Najashi, the king of Abyssinia, came to the a delegation from him came to the Messenger of God, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam served them himself. He served them himself. And uh, when the when the companion said, There are enough of us to make this unnecessary for you to do. And you know, he of course saw them out and stuff. And the Prophet said, No, they honored my companions. And I wish to repay them. They honored my companions, and I wish to repay them. So he, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, 
saw them out and took care of them in that way. Uh, so this is a way of showing respect to them. It's a way of showing respect to them. Said so another way of showing respect is to have a cheerful countenance and pleasant conversation. So if we're the host, part of the job of the host is to kind of be happy and to have good conversation. Don't give bad conversation. Don't talk about, you know, just things that are going to make people happy. Pleasant conversation. But first, number one is that they walk them to the door. Number two, conduct for leave, taking one's leave is that the guest make his departure in good spirits even if he feels like he didn't get his right because this is a matter of good character yeah. even if they feel like they weren't treated right by the host they leave in a way that's appropriate because this is a matter of good character uh, there's an interesting story here, I'll read it a messenger was sent to invite one of the salaf, one of the early Muslims, but could not find him when the man heard of the invitation he went but everyone had already dispersed, having finished and left. The owner of the house went out to him and said, The people have left. He said, Is there anything left? The owner said, No. He said, A piece of bread only, if there is any left? The owner said, There's nothing left. He said, Then the pot for me to wipe clean? He just wants to get the blessing of being part of the gathering, right? A pot for me to wipe clean? The owner said, I've already washed it. So the man went away giving praise to God. And he was asked about that, and he said, The man invited us with good intention, and he turned us away with good intention. And this is what humility and good disposition mean. So, he invited us, I came, there was nothing to be had, so I leave happy. There's no, there's no issue, I don't have to be upset about it. <coughs> number, number three conduct, rule of conduct for taking leave, is that they should not leave until they've asked the consent and permission of the owner. Okay. So they shouldn't overstay their welcome. And when it's time to leave, they should ask permission from the owner. Would it be okay if we leave now? You know, we take your permission, we take your leave. Is it okay for us to go? And, um, you know, subhanAllah. He says, uh, if he comes as a guest, he should not exceed three days. That's the, that's the, um, the, the sunnah right of the guest, right? The right of the guest is that they stay for three days. The Messenger of Allah said, Hospitality is for three days, anything more is charity. Hospitality is for three days, anything more is charity. And he mentions here that it's desirable that one should have a bed for a guest who is staying. So part of like if they have the means to do so, part of the way that they set up their home is to set up their home such that they have a bed that a guest can stay in when a guest comes. Wallahu alam wa sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Inshallah, next time we will uh, finish the text and then move on to uh, what we'll cover next, which I, again I said will probably be. Uh, related to how the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam dealt with children. Allah alam, we'll see what happens. So Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Muhammad.